0: The title of my message today is Broken and Spilled Out. Part 4, 5, 6, or whatever. I've preached from this text a number of times. I've never preached this sermon because I never looked at my past notes or anything. But this is what I believe God has given to us, a word for today. Reading from Mark chapter 14, beginning with verse 1. After two days was the feast of the Passover, and of unleavened bread. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by craft and put him to death. But they said, Not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. And being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. You may be seated. I was across the street from a construction site some time ago and I heard the most foul cursing I believe that I've ever heard in my life. There were only two people in the house and I don't know if they were fussing or having it out because when they came out they seemed to be in peaceful terms. I really just think, that the individual was just given over to a demon, and the foul language that was coming out of his mouth was coming from something inside. It was not against the man with him, but I thought, my goodness, I'm across the street, and people could hear him, I'm sure, a block away. And I thought, I have building superintendents and general contractors in my church, would never let that go on, but I thought, I don't know what's wrong with that man. He's got problems, 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 problems. When people just curse, just to be cursing, either they don't know enough English language to communicate any other way, and so that's the way that they overcome that with that inferiority complex. They just use a lot of cursing to make up for it. But they're so embroiled in circumstances inside Maybe that's their release. But then I attended yesterday a service across town at All People's International Church where I preached one of the messages, and we had church. And I'm telling you, I heard praise. We had some wonderful praise here. But it got about several decimals louder than it was here today. It was wonderful. What an atmosphere to be in. People praising God. You could hear that down the street also. I'll guarantee you. I guarantee you the devil didn't like it, but it was going on. And those people were having a time praising God. There's something locked up in us that when it is released, it's going to reflect what we are. It's going to reflect the treasures of our spirit and our soul and what's inside of us. If you're prone to curse, it's because you've got cursing inside of you. If you're prone to praise God, it's because you've got God inside of you. And I believe that we have an illustration here that early in the ministry of Jesus, he was anointed. Six days prior to his crucifixion, he was anointed. Two days prior to his crucifixion, he was anointed. In each of those cases, people released valuable essence and fragrance upon him. Some upon his feet, others upon his head. And it was interesting. If you'll notice in the book of Luke chapter 7 and verse 11, it was early in the ministry of Jesus. The woman came, a sinner woman, the Bible says. We don't know who she was. She was a sinner woman. She stood at Jesus' feet and brought an alabaster box of ointment. She was weeping. Her tears fell on his feet. She began to bathe his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hairs of her head. She kissed his feet. And then in John chapter 12, the second anointing of Jesus, the first eight verses describe it. It was six days before Passover, six days before the crucifixion. He was in Bethany in the house of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Mary took a pound. This time we know who it was. Mary took a pound of ointment, of spikenard, very costly the Bible says, and anointed his feet and wiped them with the hairs of her head. And then here in Mark chapter 14 and in Matthew chapter 26, two gospel writers record this incident. It was two days before the Passover. Remember early in the ministry of Jesus, six days before Passover, and now two days before Passover. It was in the house of Simon the leper, not in Mary and Martha and Lazarus' home, but in the house of Simon the leper. She brought an alabaster box of ointment, and it was spikenered. Very precious, the Bible says. She poured it on his head. This unnamed individual came and broke the box with reckless abandon. She took this costly essence and poured it onto Jesus. Valuable fragrances lie locked up inside of us that we're capable of releasing. And until we break the box, until we open the flask and pour out the contents, it doesn't bless anyone. It may be very valuable, very costly, very precious, but it is of no use until the odor can fill the room. We are redeemed individuals saved by the grace of God. Divine endowments help us to show forth the love of God to a lost and dying world. Gifts of the Spirit Enable us to minister to the body of Christ And in so doing We release what has been endowed And given to us to use as a gift of the Holy Spirit We're given grace Have you ever wondered why God gives you grace? It's like a a woman told Dr. Homer Lindsay Jr. Said, I don't believe I have enough grace to die by He said, well you don't need it until you die And then you'll have it I thought that was quite apropos. But when God gives you grace, get ready to use it. He didn't give it to you to lock it up inside. He wants it to be displayed, manifest, used, so that those around will see the application of the grace of God in your life and how you can go through your trial, how you can stand the test how you can be tested and tried and then come forth with a song of victory, singing grace, grace, marvelous grace. Precious means costly, means it has great value. This particular ointment may have been worth about 300 days of labor, almost one year, the wages that it would take to purchase this fragrance. And so it was very costly, very precious. Jesus identified something very precious in His ministry in the 12th chapter of Mark, back a couple of chapters. He stood over against the treasury, and He watched as wealthy men brought their gifts and cast something into the treasury. He also watched as the widow woman with her two mites, which was a farthing, brought all the living that she had and cast it in. And Jesus said to His disciples, This woman has given more than all of the rest of them put together for out of their abundance they gave but she has given all the living that she has it was very costly it was very precious she sacrificed it she gave it all up so it's never the signs of the work that we do or even who recognizes it it's what god understands that you are doing to exalt Him, to praise Him, to lift up His name and praise and worship, and for Him to get glory out of your actions. It's not the size of the check you wrote. It's not how much your tithing amounts to. It's not the size of your missionary contribution or other gifts of charity and benevolence, but it's what is in your heart that is released with that gift as God has put something inside of you You don't clench your fists and say, I sure hate to let go of this. And you write that check and it even your hand is wobbly as you're writing that check, but you know you better do it. You've learned that God always gives back more than than you give out. And so you've learned some lessons about giving, but it's what's in your heart. God sees what is in your heart. So he set over against the treasury. God is looking over the balconies of heaven into Evangelical Temple congregation. And he sees what we're involved in, what engages our time. God knows what's on the register of our checkbook. You can tell what a man's treasures are if, you could, if he just loaned you his checkbook and you could see the check stubs. You can tell what he lives for, how much treasure he has for God, how much he has for himself, And for the world, just stop and analyze that for yourself. God is looking over the balconies of heaven. And he said, I know how much time this family gives to the worship of God. I know how much time they give in benevolence works and doing things like the prison team that went to Brevard County yesterday. And over 160 people gave their heart to God inside those prison walls in that compound as that great crusade was conducted between, with between 50 and 60, I suppose, workers from this church. The drama, the music, the preaching of the word, the sacrifice of time, the giving up of family obligations to give their Saturdays to minister to those behind iron bars. God sees and he rewards. He keeps records. He knows what is precious to us and what is precious to him. He talked about laying up treasures. Wealth is not treasure until God values it as treasure. The seed in the bin may be worth money, but it's worth nothing until it is planted in the ground, until it germinates and a plant emerges and eventually fruit will be born. And so no matter what you have in your bank account, No matter how many gifts you possess in your spirit and your life until they are planted until they are used they may be precious to you but they're not treasures because when you die you're going to leave it all you're not taking any of it with you you're not taking one single thing with you no matter how much you love that home you live in that automobile that you drive the clothing that you wear, the jewelry that you display, it doesn't matter. They can put it in the coffin with you, but it'll rot right there. Or it will stay there. You're not taking it with you. You're not going to take it to hell and you're not going to take it to heaven. It's not going with you. But you can lay up treasures in heaven. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You may have trophies and plaques and awards and certificates. Recently, when I was reorganizing my office, I took many plaques and put them in the garbage dump because that's what they'll do with them when I die. I still have a few certificates that I value very highly. One of them says I'm ordained to preach and I'm no hold on to that one until I die. <laughs> so, but all of these things, we will not, be, they're not treasures laid up in heaven. They're hanging on a wall. One day the wall will be gone. One day you'll be gone. I mean, we moved and we found stuff and we're trying to decide which stuff to keep and which to discard. And it's hard to give up some stuff you've had all those years. I mean, we've got boxes of stuff that we moved, and now we've got to move it out again because we don't have anywhere for it to be placed. And all the stuff in our life that we treasure, they're not really treasures. They're not, they do not have that precious value that God stamps upon it. Jesus talked about losing your life in order to save it. Nate Saint, one of the missionaries to Ecuador who lost his life when the Aka Indians came down to the beach where they landed their aircraft. They went there to preach to them. They'd been communicating by air and luring gifts down to them for weeks and months. Now then, they landed on the beach and they went with their spears and their bows and arrows and killed those missionaries. In the front, page of Nate Saint's Bible and it was also in the mirror in his classroom in Bible school and in college he had these words he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to get that which he cannot lose (laughs) I almost forgot the line you're no fool if you give up something that you can never keep in life to gain that which you can never keep the cost of discipleship was dear to Jesus he said, leave these nets, leave everything. Follow me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. After following Jesus a while, the disciples began to wonder, is it worth it? We're on a losing team here. This ship's going down, and our Lord's going to be crucified. He even talks about it openly, being crucified. And Jesus said, if any man come unto me and hate not his father... His mother, his wife, children, brethren, sisters, yea, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it, lest haply, after he hath laid the foundation, is not able to finish it. And all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build. And was not able to finish Or what king going to make war against another king Sitteth not down first And consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand To meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand Or else while the other is yet a great way off Sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace So likewise Whosoever he be of you That forsaketh not all that he hath He cannot be my disciple Salt is good But if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus taught us if we seek to save our life, we'll lose it. If we lose our life for his sake, we'll save it. We'll gain it. He'll see to it that God eternal takes care of it. The song that's so familiar to all of us Must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No, there's a cross for everyone and there's a cross for me. Jesus said of this woman who brought the alabaster box, she broke it and opened the flask, poured the contents on Jesus. That valuable essence inside of you will never have the aroma and the fragrance that will bless people around you AND BE PLEASING UNTO OUR CREATOR UNTIL WE BREAK THE flask. A BROKEN AND A CONTRITE SPIRIT GOD WILL NOT DESPISE. BUT WHEN WE ARE BROKEN, WE OPEN UP THE CONTENTS OF OUR INNER BEING. WE POUR IT OUT ON JESUS, THE BEST THAT WE HAVE FROM OUR INNERMOST BEING, FROM THE DEPTHS OF OUR SPIRIT, WITH RECKLESS ABANDON. WE DON'T KEEP ANY OF IT BACK. WE OFFER HIM OUR BEST PRAISE. We offer him the best years of our life. We don't want to be wasted and left on the beach as just driftwood cast up by the waves of the sea. We want to stop where we are today and take control. I'm not wasting another day of my life. I open this flask, I pour out the contents to Jesus. I'm going to follow him and be what he wants me to be and do what he wants me to do and say what he wants me to say. Jesus said of this woman in verse eight, she hath done what she could. She was criticized by the disciples. Why did she do this? You'll be criticized for your Christian service. You'll be criticized for going to church so much. You'll be criticized for giving money to the work of God. They said that we could have had that and sold it and given the money to the poor. And Jesus said, the poor have you always with you. But me, you don't have always. She hath anointed my body to the burying. She hath done what she could. What will be said of you? Are we doing what we can? Are we being what we should be? Are we giving God the best years of our life? Or do we want to eat, drink, and be merry and die and forget it all? The end of that proverb is, you die and face it all. You must remember that only what is best in your heart is good enough for God. Don't give him the waste. Give God everything. Give him the best. She had done what she could. She has nothing greater to give. I wonder today what God looks over the balconies of heaven and he looks into Evangel temple and he sees all the volunteers and he sees all the people who sacrifice. AND ALL THE PEOPLE WHO ARE FAITHFUL, IF HE SAYS OF US, THEY'RE DOING WHAT THEY CAN. THEY'RE DOING THE BEST THEY CAN. YOU KNOW, THAT'S GOOD ENOUGH IF YOU ARE. GOD WILL ACCEPT THAT AND HE WILL BLESS THAT. HE DIDN'T DEMAND MORE. HE DIDN'T DEMAND ANY MORE OF THAT WIDOW WOMAN WITH THE TWO MITES. SHE GAVE MORE THAN ALL THE REST OF THEM PUT TOGETHER. AND WHEN YOU GIVE GOD THE BEST OF YOUR HEART, I WANT YOU TODAY TO UNDERSTAND THAT PRAISE AND WORSHIP IS NOT A TIME FOR YOU TO SIT LIKE A BUMP ON A LOG with your lips pursed and as if you're sour at the world, a mule-eating briars, and people look at you and they don't want your brand of Christianity. They see your unhappiness. They see that you're mad at the world. You're mad at God. And You need to break that flask. And, and until there's a breaking process, the valuable contents of your inner man will never be released. But then when there begins to flow out of you a fragrance, an essence of love and praise and worship, giving God the glory. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. Give him some praise. It's time to break the flesh, to pour it all out, to give it all up. After this I beheld and lo, a great multitude which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne before the Lamb and clothed with white robes and palms in their hands and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In the 16th chapter of the book of Revelation, there's another line that shows three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, which is the devil, and the beast, which is the Antichrist, and the false prophet, that triune wicked tribunal that will rule during the time of tribulation. Three unclean spirits like frogs They came with curses. They came with blasphemy. They came out of the mouth of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. Friends, I want you to get that filth out of your mouth. And I want you to open the flask of your spirit and your soul and begin to pour praises unto God. If you hit your nail with a hammer, hit the wrong nail with a hammer, I want you to say, praise God, I didn't knock that finger off. And say, praise God, it wasn't your enemy that hit you. It was your own self. <laughs> you probably would have lost a hand. It's time for us to open up and praise God.